0: welcome 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 this is the distraction pieces podcast episode 378 thank you for tuning in guys how is everyone um i'm joined today by john sim someone who i've been a fan of for a long time and you'll hear we proper hit it off from the start i had to really pull in all my professional experience to stay on topic and to get to the relevant pieces of information um one of which is his new show grace, which is um out now on i t v you can can watch it on i t v player or wherever you get your i t v um on demand often it's on sky and st- stuff like that isn't it um yeah, and it's great, but we really hit it off on just chatting about stuff, so it felt like we could have talked for absolutely hours uh we get into his whole life, his upbringing, some amazing stories of his his band times. Yeah just really just a really nice dude and a nice chat. I, you, you're hearing the podcast. I proper proper enjoyed this one. Good lad, good lad, proper good lad. Uh yeah. I'm not going to hang around too much here. Obviously I'll be back n- n- next week. That's always the case. Uh patreoncom Scroobius Pip if you want to support the podcast for under a dollar. If you've if you've listened to over 20 episodes and haven't chipped in like a $1 dollar or a dollar fifty or whatever it is. You know. Maybe have a think. Today could be the day to go, alright, actually, I've got more than a dollar's worth of entertainment for free here. But equally you don't have to. Fucking who am I to tell you what to do? Um, it's free. It's free if you've got the spare cash and want to chip in. Go ahead, if not, don't chill. In fact, a better way to spend it, forget the Patreon. Patreon and all that is nonsense. I've never got fully on board with it. Um, a better way is to go to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and buy some merch. I've got loads of good stuff on there. Um, I announced on one of the Patreon Z- Zoom hangouts, actually, some new, something new that's coming later in the year. That's exciting. But in general over there, there's v- vinyl CDs, DVDs, t- T-shirts, fucking aprons, all sorts of good stuff. I'm going to stop rambling on and let you get on to this wonderful chat with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. John Sim. And then I'm rolling as well. So uh, we'll begin if you're if you're all good. Let's do it. Right. I'm joined today by John Sim. Um, how how are you? How how have you been? W- w- what have you been up to in this weird, never-ending, <laughs> unusual era that we're in? Oh,
1: I've well not much. Much like the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just been sort of getting through it. You know. I mean, this second one's. In January, at the beginning of January, it was so depressing, wasn't it? I mean the first one Yeah. Like everybody else, I guess, the first one was in summer here and, and um yeah. it was almost a bit um like a holiday.
0: <laughs> it had novelty, didn't it? I genuinely it had novelty. I was using my garden more than I'd ever done exactly. and things like that. It was like, Oh, this is this is pleasant. Yeah, it was pleasant. Not pleasant, but it's you know, it's it's yeah, survival. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it could have been worse. Uh, you know, I was like opening beers oh. earlier than I should have done, you know, it still started getting, you know, and and, and then it it got odd and, and I don't know, It's it, it's been a strange mix of, um, you know, just just anxiety and, and um, a lot of worry and anxiety about the state of the world, but also in a way, nice being at home with the family and not having to be living somewhere in a hotel working, you know, so a strange, yeah. strange time, but you know, hey man there's a light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully we're nearly there hopefully um and i've got two teenagers yeah, as well it's yeah. really bad for them it's
0: it's it's the kids that i feel sorry for and and teenagers are the exact age it's it's the hardest for i've got a couple of of goddaughters, and but they're like six seven and one of them's just turned 10 and it's like well they're kind of loving it because they get to be at home with their mum, and they love being at home with their mum. It's better than being at school, yeah. all that kind of. Thing. But as soon as you get that little bit older, as soon as you get into that teenage bit, they're the ones who hate being at home with of their course. mum and or their parents, and would much rather be yeah. anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's a kind of torture for them.
1: I mean, like, you know, they can't see their friends. <laughs> they want to be out, you know, and it, it, it was, it, it's like a year taken away yeah. from them. And the, the, I mean, it's awful. It, the ones yeah. that are at college and, you know, students and uh, but my boy is like he's nearly 20, but he, he he decided to take a gap year. And we were like, no, no, you should go to university, do something, you know, don't do it, don't do it. And, he, and you know, and then it happened. And he was like, see, you know, I would have been stuck in a campus somewhere. And yeah. so, it, you know, serendipity in a way, but... You know, difficult for the younger ones. Fourteen, and, and she's got hormones flying around, and it's just all—oh, yeah. the, their heads are all over the place. I feel bad a, for them. A,
0: a worst gap year story ever. Oh, I mean, normally gap year <laughs> stories are full of travel <laughs> and all those amazing things. I had a gap year, yeah, stayed at home with my mum and dad, yeah. um, watched a lot of box sets, <laughs>
1: played PlayStation. Uh, you know, so actually, the first yeah. one, weirdly, I because I've got a PlayStation Four, and I dusted it down. And I went upstairs to my boy and said, "Look, you know what? What, what games have you got here?" And so I, I was like, I was like reliving my, my youth. I was, I just played loads of games. It was great.
0: Uh, what did you play? What did you get into? I did
1: um, Red Dead Redemption Two, which was basically being a cowboy. Yeah. It was just amazing.
0: This is going to sound weird. I've never played it, but one of my things in this weird lockdown thing was I started watching. A few different mates of mine had Twitch channels, right. So, so I got into Twitch. I've never watched Twitch. It doesn't appeal to me at all. But there's a there's a, a singer and comedian and, and social commenter called Blind Boy from a band called the Rubber Bandits. And he plays Red Dead Redemption whilst improvising s- s- songs. Right. So I feel like I know the game inside and out, but with the weirdest <laughs> soundtracks from this strange Irish man with a, a bag on his head. Um, but, yeah, I've heard that's an immersive one. Oh,
1: absolutely extraordinary I mean it looks beautiful it's
0: incredible I was dreaming about
1: it you know it was I mean it's it's if you'd have shown me that when I was like you know 15 or whatever I would have had a heart attack I mean we were playing Pac-Man and you know Space Invaders (laughs) it was I mean it's extraordinary yeah I
0: always remember the first game I dreamt about was championship manager so I'm boringly dreaming about spreadsheets about football (laughs) I'd much rather be dreaming about this cowboy landscape. I'm dreaming of who I'm going to sign tomorrow, and waking up again. Oh, there's an idea.
1: <laughs> oh, mate,
0: I, I've been on that. I've been on Football Manager
1: for absolutely years, years. I mean, it got yeah. to one point. I was about fifteen, twenty years in the future, and none of the players were real. And it, it was just, you know, I've
0: done the treble, mate, treble. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm there at the moment. I've had to l- l- limit my playing of it for when I'm in the car going to and from set. Because I've realised that if, if I'm off, I'll just lose a day. Yeah. It, I won't even be that happy. It's not like I'm sitting there smiling and playing. I'm like, "Yep, oh, oh, I won the Europa League. Cool." Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I am. I'm exactly that. I'm at that point where it's. I think I'm twelve seasons in or something. So there's one or two people that you recognise hanging over. But yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I think Marcus Rashford got to about forty-two. Um. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's great. I'll I'll look at other teams and Rashford is one that pops up. I'll look at other teams and go, Oh, they've got some good players and I'll go, Oh no, hang on. <laughs> He's fucking ancient now. This yeah. is this isn't a scary player that I need to be marking and caring about. But, no, no,
1: Harry Kane yeah. in his sixties is uh is not to be feared. Yeah,
0: isn't as much of a threat. But yes, so Red Dead Redemption, were there any others? I'll, yeah. I'll, oh man. I promise we'll get onto actual work and stuff at some point, but <laughs> let's let's continue on this. Yeah, were,
1: I mean I mean these games are there was one called The Last of Us. We did, I did The Last of Us and The Last of Us 2, which is I've like... I've done
0: the first one. I'm halfway you... through The Last of Us 2. Oh, yeah. I mean, that
1: is... I was dreaming about that as well. That is...
0: I mean, it's so emotional. It's beautiful, right? It's a mo- like the storytelling in that and the characters are just amazing. Amazing. Um, amazing. A I mean, fr- it's, it's f- an art form. A friend of mine is writing the, the HBO series of it. And oh, again, yeah. he was like... He's someone that I've known was just a nerd for it for years but i'm like imagine being a writer and then getting to have those characters and play with it. because yeah completely right there's so much yeah beauty in that game so beautiful genuine emotion yeah really i mean they are they are works of art
1: these these things so they really are i mean and you know i know i understand why he's on the playstation all the time i tried to stop yeah (laughs) tried to stop it on the second (laughs) one and i started i just read and you know i watched stuff and uh, but then I, I missed being a cowboy so much. I went de- I went back and did Red Dead Redemption again. <laughs> I love it.
0: Terrible. I love it. I love the idea as well as a parent of again having that period of being. Oh, they're always on their phones, or always on their iPads, or always on their computers. In my day, we were out playing football and this yeah. and that. And then you have have one go on it, and you're like, Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't be out <laughs> playing f- football if I had Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it, it would have been so different. No way. No way. So um, in these these. chats I tend to jump around the career and everything it's it's interesting because in in preparation for this as like on the talk of binging tv shows and stuff like that in preparation for this I thought I'm going to revisit I'm going to watch an episode or or two of Life on Mars and and revisit it ended up going through the whole first series just got (laughs) completely drawn in again and and loved it but I do want to jump about but let's start at the beginning with talking about your new show Grace because I've watched the first episode and loved it. And what really excited me and caught me off guard, I'm trying to figure out how to word this, because it's the first time I've I've seen you play a character kind of of this age, but actually feeling of this age, if you know what I mean. You've played a lot of characters of varying ages, but they always have a youthfulness about them. Whereas this guy, I hate to use terms like soul, but he seems like an older soul. Yeah. Um, And that was really interesting to see, because it isn't something I've seen from you before in in your roles. So how was that to to take on this character and, and, and play it.
1: Yeah, I, I realised that when I shave, uh, when I have a shave, I look older. My, my, my daughter saw a little bit of it and she went, oh my God, Dad, you look <laughs> ancient in this. I was like, because <laughs> <clears throat> my grey beard's gone. Yeah. But yeah, because he, he's a high-ranking police officer and he is yeah. a proper grown-up, you know, I don't feel quite like one yet. But I thought, you know, he's... Yeah. he's um. It's hard to read, and he's really good at his job. And and the good thing is, that I'd read quite a few of the books, so I was I was in his head quite a lot. And it, I mean, it's just great research, right. you know. So I was up to like book yeah. ten or something, and so I was immersed in him, you know, because we've got that source material, which is you know not it's not always the case. So I had these these brilliant novels, and um, so yeah, it was. It, I don't know it was it, it was a great part to play and, and also because it was right in the middle of the pandemic we were just desperate to get to work I mean I've never been so happy yeah. to go to work in my life we were just yeah. everybody yeah, was yeah, yeah. oh you know and and luckily we somehow somehow got through it with, with with no um uh COVID casualties really we didn't get closed down or have to stop or yeah Everybody sort of stuck to the rules, and they had the COVID guy on set, and everybody, you know, it was it was weird because people are in masks and visors, and it's like you know acting in the middle of an operating theatre. So half yeah. the crew, I didn't, I didn't even see their their faces for, for like ten weeks. I had no idea what they looked like apart from their eyes. Yeah, but yeah, it was a joy to I, do,
0: and great part, great part. I've, I've 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 said a few times that I think it's one of the great things the film industry is one of the industries that can afford to do this right and safely and it is important i mean i think lives should obviously go above economy anything else the lives of people should be the first priority which isn't always the focus of our of our government but the thing i love about the film industry being able to get up and running is they can do the right amount of tests have the right amount of precautions all the masks all this coming kind of are similar my the, the makeup girl I've been working with for four months now added me on Instagram the other day, and I was like, "Oh, that's what you look like." I had no <laughs> idea. I'd, I'd only ever seen your eyes. Yeah. I didn't know what you look like. So, yeah. but um, the the great part as well is, I mean, you shot in 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 Brighton, yeah. And the thing I love is the film industry can also be helping other industries here because they can be y- using, for examples, restaurants that can't open anymore as as sets and making all sorts of other. B- businesses and industries that have had to close down and have no way of earning money have a little injection of cash because yeah they can be used as a set and they can be used as part of this and that's i think it's a real positive so how was it working in brighton again i I love brighton but it's such a weird time this yeah (laughs) like it's not like you can go out and enjoy it and go out on 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 nights or whatever it's it's a no, I mean it's purely a work trip. It was
1: purely work. Yeah, I mean it, it was lovely. It was a lovely place to film, and and, and it, the weather was incredible. It was just like heatwave when we started, but yeah. yeah, it was weird because I mean none of the cast could socialise. We couldn't do anything. You know, it was uh, it was work, sleep, work, sleep. You know, and and we'd only see each other on set, which which was it made for a, a great. You know, set and in the green room, we were all laughing and joking. It was because the only time we ever got to socialise with, with with each other, but it, it it was great. And like you say, we did. There were loads of local businesses. We used them for catering and for sets and everything. You know, and and yeah, it, it, you know, to be able to do that was is is fantastic. But I, I you know, I do worry about it. it was, um, there were so many places closed down. I don't know how many small businesses and, and bars and, and and restaurants and things like that are going to. Are going to make it through, but that's the case everywhere, yeah. isn't it? I mean, London's like a, yeah. a ghost town. It's and you know, and, and without even mentioning the theatres and things like that. I mean, the entertainment industries on its knees. You know, music and, and gigs and theatre and stuff like that. Anything with a crowd, yeah, it's a nightmare, an absolute nightmare.
0: Yeah, it it really is, and it's so hard to see what the route back is. It's it's been actually it's been actually really positive to see New Zealand and see some gigs going on and stuff like that because they're kind of on the on the other side of it they've got over so much because it is it's it's been hard to imagine how that part is ever going to get back. I can see restaurants gradually coming back yeah. with a reduced capacities. I can see cinemas with reduced capacities, but gigs it's people stood next to each other. It's such a hard one to envisage. So yeah. there yeah. is some positivity in looking at other countries who've got seemingly got the pandemic under control. Getting some level of normality back. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, was, yeah. I just saw the videos from New Zealand of like music festivals. It was like, yeah, it was like looking from a, a different, you know, looking at a different planet, wasn't it? it's was like, wow. Yeah. I, I remember them, um, but mind you, you know, I, uh, my son's just booked a ticket for Reading. I mean, I don't know if it's going to yeah. go ahead. I hope so, but you know, just the fact
0: that he's booked the ticket is making me really happy. So maybe. It's love will be back. It's, it's it's worried me a little bit as soon as the government have made their announcements. And again, I I I'm a b as big a fan of hope as anyone, but the announcements with specific dates can't be accurate because you can't you can't tell a virus. Here's when we need to be cleared <laughs> up by June twenty first. That's the exact date. It's like if there was if they were more loose, but it's been positive and heartbreaking seeing all the things announced after that now like i've yeah. seen so many comedian mates of mine and all that announce their tour dates at the end of the year and you're like I fucking my fingers are crossed oh, so no. hard but i, know, I don't man. necessarily trust a, <laughs> a government guideline that's saying here's when it'll all be fine because no no we can't i can't know that we it's, don't know that
1: and, and god yeah. knows what's gonna happen there might be a, a mutant strain that comes from yeah. you know wherever and, and and suddenly it doesn't work with the with the um with the injection and stuff. who knows what's going to happen you know it's um yeah. you're right it's just literally fingers
0: crossed isn't it fingers crossed yeah how, how how's it been kind of promoting grace because it's such a tough one pandemic aside the books are written with such craft over when each part of the story is revealed it's not like there's a reveal there's multiple reveals in each yeah. story so there's kind of Fuck all you can talk about, right? Like, like I was, I was literally—I was, I was trying to think what what we can reveal of the first story. It's like some guys go on a stag do and something bad happens. Other than that, yeah everything else is is revealed so well in such good places. It's like you can't really anything is a spoiler. No, so it can't. must be really tough to it, kind of it's, go. It's a policeman. It's a policeman, <laughs> and some stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. It's difficult. You just sort of got to
1: trust that you know. Say to them, look, like, it's a thriller. Is there's going to be twists and turns, yeah. you know, and I saw. <laughs> what can I tell you? I can't ruin it, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll go for it. The the one good thing about it is is the fact that the novels are so successful. So yeah, I mean, like you know, million bestsellers all over the world. So obviously, the stories are good. So so we've got a bit of confidence in the fact that the story's good. Um, so yeah. it's it's now just up to us to fuck it up. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, yeah. who knows wh- whether they'll go for it. But they should because the pedigree's all there and the the stories are good. The the screenwriter's a brilliant screenwriter, Russell Lewis, yeah. you know. And so who knows? Who knows whether they're going to go for it? I don't know. I don't know.
0: How was it finding the character? Because, again, there is a certain pressure w- w- when it's a character that's got a whole series of books. I What I loved about your performance is it was so subtle and gentle it's not kind of going I need here's the, here's the lead character I need to be this big huge thing the character in the books is quite he's quite quiet he's quite he's, he's not an overpowering he's not your typical kind of I'm the renegade cop no. I'm gonna go off and do this he'll go there when he has to but it doesn't feel like it's a I'm jumping straight to that which makes it all the more powerful if he does have to go there if you know what I mean so how was that to find it and to pick quite a subtle kind of and 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 not beat-them-over-the-heads kind of characterisation.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was good. It was good because I don't really have to do that much, you know? So I could just... It's all in the eyes, darling. I can just be really still (laughs) and just take in information. And, you know, his mind's going at 100 miles an hour, but he's completely, you know, unreadable, really. Uh, and I, so I, I just had to sort of give him that authority, that gravitas that comes with being a, a detective superintendent, you know. I mean, I've played cops before, but nobody quite that high ranking. Yeah. And so I, I was just, I don't know, I just had to trust the fact that, um, you know, I'd done all this reading and I, I sort of had him in my head. But basically, you've just got to serve the script and what's in front of you and, um, and you know, try not to fuck it up. <laughs> But um, yeah. but we you know me and me and Richie who plays Glenn Branson we had a great relationship and you know it, we had good chemistry from the beginning and that was easy that made it um, easy because you get that for nothing really but um, yeah it, it was just it was good it was good I you know also with this like like you know not like unlike I should say Life on Mars where I was in every single scene that I I, I wasn't in this I you know there was a story going on that independent of mine and. I had yeah. to, you know, come in and solve it. But so I got a bit of a break. I wasn't like, it wasn't non-stop. Yeah. So yeah, in in that aspect, it, it, was, um, it was easier than usual.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Um, we touched upon gigs uh, uh, just now. I want to kind of rewind all the way back because we also talked about how you would have loved Red Dead Redemption as a kid, but you didn't have that kind of... What was your kind of of youth? What kind of kid were you? Were you a music kid? Were you a film kid? Were you a football kid? Were you all of the above? Uh,
1: Well, I'd say I was all of the above. I was football mad. Yeah. I I got into films a little bit late. Well, not later on. I saw Billy Liar and and Rebel Without a Cause. And and, uh, when I was, I must have been about 14, 15 but up until yeah. then um I was a musician my dad was a musician, so i I was doing yes. um the clubs and stuff like that, so I didn't have a normal childhood i was like uh, I was doing gigs like every Friday Saturday, Sunday, and not telling anyone at school.
0: was that all over the north or was that all over where was it yeah,
1: yeah we saw it was like working men's clubs all all around the north mm-hmm. or, you know you know yorkshire and and Lancashire yeah. and you know some real some real stories from there you know being in a band with your dad <laughs> it was uh, yeah it, that's a mad one it right real, that's yeah. not what
0: you expect as your as your breakthrough <laughs> your 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 youth rebellion with your dad
1: no 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 <laughs> no it wasn't a democracy in that band let me tell you that it was uh, yeah, but it was imagine. you know it was a hell of a way to um to sort of you know get in front of an audience and it was a real trial by fire you know if you, if you can win over those those working men especially at that time in you know the 80s and I mean, they were pretty rough. There were some rough places we played. But we were pretty good, you know. We practiced a lot and we we did covers, obviously. And, uh, you know, and it was great. um, It got to the point where, I mean, weirdly, one of the reasons I became an actor was because we'd done a gig once and there was a young band on and they were supporting us. And they were my age, they are all my age. And they looked like they were having such fun. They were rattling through, like, Beatles covers and Stones and all that. And they were brilliant, you know. And then we went on after them and we played. And and, and anyway, after the gig, I swapped numbers with one of the guys in the band. We were chatting. And he called and said, do you want to join our band? And I was like, oh, I'd really love to. I would really love to do that. But I can't. I can't leave my dad to join another band because that would just break his heart, you know. So I I literally just... um, I just threw a, a, a googly and just said, "Dad, I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to do something completely different.
0: Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I guess music has no other direction that you can go. Like the beauty of music is bands get together. They break up, they become another band. That meant that drummer from that band joins this band. Yeah. All of that is, is how it all is how you find yourself. Whereas, if you're in it with your dad, yeah. you kind of you can't really do that. You can't have the famous band falling out. And, and that. no, no, you
1: can't do it. I mean, you know, you just you do what you talk. To- I mean, we, we played somewhere once, and we we were um, the name of the the name of our we were it was a double act. You know, the name it, we were called us two U S two. And in the uh, in the local paper the week before, it said Friday, and they'd misprinted it, and it said you two. On Friday. So we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, my dad didn't give a monkey's. I was just like, oh, man, this is a nightmare. You know, this is a... They're going to think we're you too It was like, they won't. So anyway, we turn up at the gig and it is packed. Packed. I mean, like people with U2 t-shirts on in the crowd and all that. And, oh, man, it was... I, I was just so... I was mortified, you know. I mean, there were people I knew there and... And they didn't even know I did this, you know. It was it literally it was. Oh wow! Just I thought, yeah. I can't, I can't go on. Um, anyway, he made it um, pretty clear in no uncertain terms that I was going on, <laughs> and it was just mortifying, <laughs> you know. And then we just stood there, and we opened with Apache by the Shadows, you know, and I'm there with a like a dicky bow on, and you know, oh, it was just awful. And I, I, I did a sound check, and I started playing the beginning of Sunday Bloody Sunday, and the place, it just erupted. I was just like, oh man, no, this is, this is going to be hell.
0: Giving them the wrong impression.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway, so it, it it worked out all right in the end. You know, we, I got through it. But what I did realize being in that band, and and I was in a, a, another band, in a proper band, like when I was in my twenties, and we played, you know, big venues and all that, and we went on tour and stuff. Great. With like Echo and the Bunny Men, and you know, we did these big tours. What I realised, and I knew from doing it with my dad, was that I'm not very good being myself in front of a crowd of people. I'm just really right. self-conscious. And I, I didn't know what mm. to do. I just stared at the floor. I'd stare at my guitar. My dad was constantly, you know, nudging me and telling me to smile and, you know, just couldn't do it. And then when I discovered acting, I got on stage pretending to be somebody else. It was just a different ball game, And I thought, oh, I can do this this is much easier you know uh, no self conscious at all in that in that situation
0: i love that so how did your dad take that the, the the choice to move from music into acting
1: he was surprised but it also it all coincided with me seeing this uh, talking to the drama teacher at school because i never did drama at school i did i played football it was a, it was an extra thing It was after school and i remember walking past him one day in the in the corridor and I think I'd seen Rebel. It was Rebel Without Cause. And I just stopped him and said, oh, I, I saw Rebel Without Cause last night. I thought it was great. I don't know why I said it. i never even met him, you know. And he could have just said, oh, and walked off. <laughs> but he stopped <laughs> and he went, oh, great. He said, what did you like about it? And he, he sort of sat down and we chatted about it. And he said, well, here's an idea. Why don't you come to one of the drama classes? And I went, no, I can't I do football instead. And he said, well, maybe just try it once. And they were doing Billy Liar, the play. And I I read it and... And, you know, and everybody went, oh, yeah, you you can do this. You're really good. And I thought, oh, God, that's really easy. This is really easy. (laughs) Just pretending to be somebody else. And that was it. And then I I was in the school play and and, and then that was it. And this all coincided with that band asking me to join. So I was thinking, oh, I can do this. Um, And he says, I'm really good at it. So maybe I'll do this instead. And it was, you know, literally... It, it all coincided with me being 16 and off I went to college and that was it. Uh, and my dad, yeah, he was, he was a bit pissed off because I left him at home with um, my mum and my two sisters and off I went, but he carried on doing the clubs. You know, it was a bit funny about the acting for a while. You know, every time I do something or telly, it's, he'd sort of say, yeah, it was all right. You know, the other guy was good. <laughs> it was a bit sort of funny <laughs> about it. And we used to argue a bit, but he, he was fine in the end. He, he took a, a while to come round, but
0: um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's, it's, it's always amazing how at that age, particularly in the eighties or nineties or whatever else, positive reinforcement is so hard to come by. And so it feels like it's so hard earned. So it can be so amazing when you get it for something that you didn't try that hard on. Like you, 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 you probably would have been playing football for years and after most matches you'll be, here's what you did wrong. Here's where you slipped up. Here's what wasn't right. And if you get a goal, you might get a nod, but do something that first time, and have someone say, "Oh, you're good." Yeah, I can completely see how that lights a spark in someone and go, "Oh wow, yeah. this was the first try." The first time I kicked a football, no one told me I was good. I promise you. <laughs> 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 Yeah.
1: yeah, no, it's, it's true. Yeah, yeah, and, and and also, you know, you 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 want, you know, I wanted him to be proud of me, and I wanted him to, I wanted to prove to him that I'd made the right choice, you know. And eventually, it worked yeah. out; it was fine, you know. When I left drama school and all that, and you know, started doing well, it was it was all right in the
0: end. Oh, I was going to say, how how was it moving down to London to 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 go to drama school? To, it was dr- drama center, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Uh, so that's 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 a big move again, particularly. When your 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 life is in the north, and or you were potentially you're going to be in bands, in working men's clubs, and things like that, and now yeah. you're not only an actor, you're going down fucking south to be an actor. So yeah. How, yeah, how how did you find that, and how was it taken? I guess
1: it was it was terrifying at first. I mean, I was on my own, yeah. you know, so I'm living in London in a poky little bedsit. I had no money, you know, because my family had no money. So I I got a grant. I used to get a grant in those days. From the council, yeah. thank God, you know I, I I wouldn't have been able to do it otherwise, and 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 they paid the fees. But then I'd get a job, and so I did loads of jobs. I just worked my ass off, and it you know it, it wasn't the most enjoyable drama school. It was uh, it was a method acting classical theatre place. They never did one. Yeah not even one lesson not even an hour of camera work it just wasn't done <laughs> so i yeah, expected yeah. really just to be a, a theater actor i was that that was what i was going to do i was going to do classical theater and that was it if i could make a living out of it that would be amazing you know and i stuck with it you know a, a couple of times i tried to leave and and then went back and you know it it was a, it was a tough 3 years but I'm glad I did it you know it was they really put you through the mill it was um it was full on but it it was a great training and in the end I thought uh, that's actually I'm so glad I went there because I, I think it's, 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 it's never going to get it's never going to be that bad in real life
0: yeah it's that thing of doing that unpleasant bit to to inform all the all the fun bits i i had some classes with a guy called J- J- James Kemp who who had done drama centre and trained under Yap Malgram yeah and the, fir- the first time I did any of that, I was like, this is all so up here. It's all s- like, there's no intuition here. It's so technical. And that yeah. isn't what I knew of acting or performing at all. But the more I got into it, the more I understood it. It was like, right, I can learn all this technical thing and then apply that to my intuition. I can always train my intuition to, to 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 be better and stronger because of this stuff. that I, At first, I thought... Where's the actual acting bit? Yeah, <laughs> we're not we're not doing that. We we're, we're playing about with so much theory and technical stuff. But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I used to think that in Yap Malgum's classes, I mean, it yeah. was all diagrams, and I, I just it was like gobbledygook. I didn't know what the hell was going on for the first year and a half. I sat there, thinking, I don't yeah. know what they're talking about. You know, so I draw the diagram, and I I, just, I just thought this is the wrong place for me. I don't, I haven't got a clue what he's talking yeah. about. But then when they stood up and did it. I thought, oh, oh, right. Well, that's obvious, isn't it? (laughs) I thought that was obvious. And so, what I realised at the end of it was, it it was, it was a design for acting. It was like it was a box. It's a box of tricks that you can use if you can't pretend well enough. You know what I mean? If you if 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 you if you can't pretend and it's not believable, then do this and maybe go by. It's like by numbers. You know. I think they could have taken anybody from anywhere and within three years if he'd understood everything or he or she would, would have yeah. understood everything that they they taught that they would be able to make it as an actor i think but it was yeah. Yeah. but the, the the intuition bit that's what i've always gone by and so i ducked and dived yeah. my way through it and you know i i didn't get thrown out it was there was the sword of damocles was hanging over everyone's head there was always people getting chucked out and <laughs> yeah. it was terrifying yeah. um but yeah. I, I got through it somehow, and, and they um, and Christopher Fettis, the the guy that run it at the end, he sort of he said to me, "You've got a tendency to be lazy, which is understandable, but unforgivable," you know. But he had a smile and a glint in his
0: eye. I love it.
1: And he was yeah. lovely, and he used to come, he came to see me every time I did a play in all the years later, and you know it was like I say, it was great, and it is a box of tricks that you can use, and some of it was wonderful. the the The, the acting teacher Reuven Adiv, who used to uh, work with Lee Strasberg. Is, is sadly de- yeah. dead now. He was my biggest impri- in, inspiration then. I mean, he taught like Paul Newman and all these amazing yeah, actors wow. in, in the studio in New York, and I loved him. And 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 that was my go-to class. Um, so I I learned a lot actually, and and I still use it now. Uh, only in theatre, I think whatever yeah. they teach you, you can only do it in theatre. Yeah, you can't do it on yeah. screen. I mean, I I can't anyway. It's a different ball game.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so. So how was it to then get onto screen? Then you've you've done all this tr- this training that you feel is for stage, and yeah. then all of a sudden you're not using any of it. No, again. I I still think you probably are subconsciously. <laughs> a lot of it has gone in and informed your your now natural performance, but it's certainly on paper you'll be thinking I'm not going over. I'm not writing down my my yeah my movements, my tones, all, 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 yeah. all these different things.
1: Yeah. I mean, I started to at the beginning, you know, I'd make the diagrams and I'd do all the backstory and, you know, I mean, basically that, you know, in two words, the whole of the drama center in three years, what I came out with it at the end was basically don't act. That's it. That's that's what they teach you. Don't act, you know, so to be the character and, you know, experience it. So when I came out, I had to it was literally learn learn a camera technique which is a completely different ball game so but i was lucky because it was the early 90s and they had like the bill um which was incredible uh, sort of like like rep for actors and producers and directors and writers um completely really like invaluable really
0: it was like an apprenticeship essentially everyone has gone through there at some point and got their experience and figured out how it works how a set works yeah that's amazing.
1: yeah 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 and and so I did things like that and heartbeat and little bits here and there and like Rumpole of the Bailey. That's how old I am. That was the first one. Um, and just <laughs> like working with these brilliant actors, you know, and eventually, you you know, what I used, I used to watch myself then. I don't really anymore, but I used to watch it back and think, oh, no, that's too big, too much, you know, mm. and, and then learn, you know, and eventually learn which lens he was going to use. And so I'd, yeah. I'd work out which lens it was and ask the camera guy, where are we? And and just adjust yeah. it. And, and, you know, literally just bit by bit, picked it up, picked it up, got better and better and better and didn't go on stage for years, <laughs>
0: years. I mean, I think it's... It's, 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 it's got to be because it's a different craft, isn't it? It's, and, and you're kind of learning on the the job there. You touched upon it earlier with, when we were talking about Grace, is there's so much where he's just taking it all in. It's all in the eyes. and. yeah that doesn't work on stage. On no. stage, it can't be all in the eyes because they can't see your eyes, whereas on, on, on screen, it can be all in the eyes. It can be that just s- s- subtle, whereas I can completely see if you came from stage, then you're on camera, you're going to be too big, Like particularly for something like The Bill or Heartbeat, which are quite subtle and low. And you know yeah. what I mean? If you're coming in and being yeah. all... <laughs> yeah,
1: striding all in, and bellowing yeah. out, you know... Um, exactly yeah, but you but you look le- you learn don't you <clears throat> just to watch it back and, and you're right you know they can come right here they can so you don't really have to do anything as long as you're thinking it yeah. and a lot of yeah. it is listening you know most acting is listening yeah. you know I, I think um and yeah it's easier to do that on screen absolutely so a jumping forward
0: a little bit in in 1999 i was i was 18 and i was experimenting with music with films with chemicals and all sorts of other things, and human traffic came out and just... It, <laughs> hit the, it, it, it hit the spot for me and everyone I know. How was that to be part of... And, yeah, to make a film that was so... It seemed to hit the counterculture perfectly at that time and was so big. Again, the complete opposite of what we're saying. It, so much in that was huge yeah. and over the top, but it needed to be and it worked. How yeah. was that to be part of and to kind of explode in? It felt like... Obviously, I think I'd seen Likes at the time, but it felt like that was the one that really made people aware of of, of you and really kind of got you out there in that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, that really went off, that one. I mean, it was... Yeah. I mean, like you, you know, I was doing the same. You know, I'd spent most of the 90s, you know, in between jobs partying, you know. And so when they sent me that script and when I went to to meet um, uh, Justin Kerrigan you know, he wanted, re- he wanted reality. He wanted, you know, I, I, you have to have been there. You have to know what this means and you can't fake it. You know, I don't want people pretending to be, you know, gurning and, you know, just, I want you to know what we're talking about. And that's what he wanted. Yeah. So we didn't even audition. He just talked to us about it, about clubbing. <laughs> it was Amazing. Just, you know, you know, we just
0: talked for ages about clubbing and, and that was it. How was it afterwards? Cause there's a weird thing and bands get this all the time. If you're if you get exposure in the counterculture or even in the drug culture or party culture or whatever else, then there's an expectation to live up to that and live that life. And that's where so many bands can fall off and go off the edge. So how was it to be John Sim at that point, I guess, because there is going to be a pressure to be this party character that again, you got the role because you were living that life, but then everything gets ramped up. And I'm sure if you're on a night out, particularly with, Danny Dyer's character at the time, I can imagine any time he's on a night out, everyone is shouting, nice one, brother, and just, you know, it goes... You get taken up and up and up, and yeah. that can get dangerous, I guess, you know?
1: Oh, mate, i tell you what, That in, in a weird way, in and ironically, that film finished our clubbing days. I mean, that was it. Yeah. You know, because, like you yes. say, anybody that went clubbing had seen that movie... And if they're all off their nut, you know, and you turn up behind them on a dance floor, I mean, they're going to react how you you know, imagine how they're going to react. And we did it one time. Me and Danny went to uh, (laughs) Creamfields, I think, in Liverpool, (laughs) uh, about a year later or two years later, and we tried to just go into this dance tent and just sort of, you know, stand at the back, and it just took one person to turn round, and that was it. I mean, the whole place... Was, went nuts, and we got so. It was quite scary, actually. And we got a mate of ours came in and literally pulled us out, and then we had to go backstage. And so that was it. We couldn't really sort of go out front anymore, and it, it, it sort of meant at all at like, festivals and gigs and things like that. If I wanted to enjoy the gig, I'd have to sort of, you know, do it a different way and, and sort of go VIP or whatever, or or
0: yeah. backstage all the time and just nip out. Um, yeah, and it and, was weird. It changed and that's everything. Not, that's not always easy at festivals, is it? <laughs> There's not always as much of an option at festivals. No. One of my favourite, because I was a touring musician for years, and one of my favourite memories was, I'm sure it was Creamfields, it was one of the Northern Dance ones, and um, we got there and the stage had broken because of rain, and they were going to cancel everything, but we'd just arrived at stage, so there were people there for us. So we agreed to go and play, and this will show out my age as well, we agreed to go and play on the MySpace bus. And it was a double-decker bus that MySpace had painted. And we got on there. And it's my proudest thing to to say for a while, during our our second encore, the bus caught fire and had to be evacuated. The fact that I get to say during our second encore, but then it literally caught fire and was evacuated. And that was our Creamfields experience. The rest of the festival got closed down after that because the main stage couldn't get up and running because yeah, it had rained the night before and the prodigy had broken it
1: oh god the prodigy had broken it yeah
0: (laughs) the the prodigy had broken the main stage the night before so yeah it gave us a far more memorable thing though because we were going to be like openers on the next day on the main stage instead we're the ones who burnt down the myspace oh mate that's much better isn't it that's
1: much better much better yeah much more
0: fun yeah so yeah so 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 did that kind of help you rein it in i guess the fact that you couldn't Go out clubbing so much might have been it might have felt like a curse at the time, but a blessing in the long run because yeah, it meant you couldn't have as wild a a, a situation there.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it. just it just went it just all went indoors. <laughs> it was just yeah, uh, yeah. you know yeah. the night is carried it on went to, private. Yeah, it went <laughs> private. The night is carried on until about two thousand and eight. Um uh, So we. Can... <laughs> But, yeah, you know, and then, you know, kids came along and all that. And, and, you know, the weird thing was also, you know, I was you know, in my 30s and I remember, you know, pushing my boy around in a pram and and it was, you know, maybe, you know, eight, ten years later or whatever. And, and well, even now, actually, sometimes, you know, I was walking past a, a school and, and the school kids would start shouting, nice one, brother, nice one, brother, <laughs> you know, across the street. And he was going, Dad, what are they saying? I was like, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i can't explain at this stage. yeah i can't explain <laughs> <laughs> at this stage yeah but um yeah. yeah weirdly he went to a festival a couple of years ago i think it was reading or something and there was a sean park sent me a video um of this field full of tents and they were all shouting nice one brother they're all shouting it, and it the whole field started Amazing. doing it It was so mad yeah um yeah and he, he came back from this festival i think it i think it was reading yeah um a few years ago but he came back and he went oh dad look at this and he showed me a video it was happening again he said oh this is a thing now they all do it and i was like oh wow that's mad and he went yeah he said it's really weird isn't it? i went you know that is don't you and he went no i went that's that's he hadn't seen it oh it's human traffic Amazing. <laughs> he doesn't watch anything i'm in i was like oh is it yeah. Like, yeah that was uh, we improvised that scene you know it's it so weird i mean over generations yeah. and generations i don't know whether it stands up i haven't seen it for years and I think maybe it was very much of its time, but it was, um, yeah, it was a big yeah. cultural moment, wasn't
0: it? Well, another thing I want to talk about, ha- having been in bands, albeit uh, w- with your dad in working men's clubs, but then also another band and touring with 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 the, those Manchester bands, how was it doing t- 24-hour party people and getting to play Bernard Sumner, Joy Division, New Order, such an iconic character and role who... I would imagine meant the fucking world to you when you were in bands. So how was that to go again t- to look back at the timeline I guess and tell your dad that you're leaving music to become an actor but then you end up leaving music to become the lead singer of New Order. Oh uh, which, amazing. which is kind of a good it's a good <laughs> a good switch, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, it was it was it was a that was a dream job that. I mean I, I remember reading in the NME that Michael Winterbottom was going to do it. And I, I'd done a film called Wonderland with him already, so I knew him. Um, yeah. We were, you know, friends and I thought, oh man, you, you know, I rang him and said, yeah, I've just, I, he's going to do this. And I was desperately trying to think of someone that I look like, you know, who do I look like from I was, yeah. going through all these bands I've in my head. I've done
0: that with so many things. I've <laughs> done that with so many, something will happen. I'll be Googling and go, who, who was in that band? Who was this? I <laughs> yeah. love that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I, I just said to him, what about him? What about Bernard Sumner? You know, um, I think probably maybe I could pass off as Bernard Sumner. And uh, Yeah, he was, he was like, great, yeah, you know, let's do it. And it was, that was all kind of improvised. And, you know, I mean, you know, again, uh, you know, it was very similar to Human Traffic because he wanted absolute realism, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would, we would walk on s- set at eight o'clock in the morning and he'd say, are you stoned? I'd be like, no. And he went, Well, somebody, get him a spliff. You know, you'd be like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> why You're not?" Supposed to be stoned in this scene, you know. And so it was just, it Love was, it. it was like Factory Records. It was chaos, it, but it was, it was yeah. a, a beautiful, organized chaos, and that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted it to be real, and it, it, it was. It was, it, it you know, because it was sort of cartoony in a way, the way it did it. And it was just, uh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And, and my wife was in it as well. She played uh, Tony Wilson's girlfriend at the end, but she was pregnant with our son at the time. And so I was oh, wow. out with all these bands misbehaving, you know, and poor Kate had to stay at home. And, you know, it was, <laughs> but, you know, I was like, it's research. So I've got to do it. You know, it's, um, you know, I've, I've got yeah. to go out with the Happy Mondays tonight. and
0: <laughs> Commit to the art. Commit. You, you, your you're hearing the words don't act in Yat Malgum's voice um, over and over again. It's like, I can't, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, but it was live this. really incredible. So I sort of went back and listened to all the Joy Division songs again, and which was no big hardship. I was a massive New Order fan, you know? And so just like I learned all the guitar bits and um, there's a bit in it where we played Blue Monday and we were supposed to be doing it to the backing track and it didn't turn up. So he sort of, he said, can you work it out on the guitar? And I was like, it's what Blue Monday on the guitar so I'll work it out I'll give it a go so I worked it out I showed Ralph Little how to play the bass bit and and you know we, we could put a bit of keyboards on it and we got this sort of passable version of like yeah. as if they were rehearsing it you know making up the song as it went along and, and he kept it in it was quite unbelievable but I mean the, the best bit for me was was you know was pretending to be in new order at the Manchester Apollo where I'd seen all my bands as a kid I'd, I'd been there you know I was religiously yeah, at the Apollo and um, pretending to be in New Order and sing Bizarre Love Triangle, literally miming to Bizarre Love Triangle in front of a big crowd. It was like that thing when you're in front of your mirror as a kid. I mean, I'm sure I did in front of my yeah. mirror, mime to Bizarre Love Triangle in front of my mirror. And to do that was, it was like a dream come true. I mean, it was just like, I mean, they didn't use much of it in the film. I think there's a tiny clip of it, but what a day that was. And I, I was a little bit refreshed. I'm not going to lie. So it made it even more incredible. You know, it was a, uh, yeah, what an experience. Yeah. What an amazing experience.
0: I mean, it comes full circle back to the the, the looking forward to when crowds are a thing again. Because, yeah, yeah, being on either side of that is equally mind-blowing. Being the one on stage receiving that or being just part of that community. Yeah. You know, d- yeah. feeling that you're all enjoying something together. It's, it's d- different from, like, I, my favourite thing is to go to the cinema, but it's different from that because it is a real communal experience you're not watching something together you're experiencing it together so yeah yeah, I I can imagine that particularly at a venue that you'd gone to and been on that side of the of the barrier for so many years to be there going this is it this is I get to experience that
1: yeah it it was Incredible, incredible experience, and we ended up going back there. Actually, I think about four years later, my band supported Echo and the Bunnymen there, and we and we played a real gig there. You know, and that, and that again, yeah. that was just mind blowing. So yeah it was it was amazing, and that 's the amazing thing about gigs you know and and also theater is because they 're live and it 's absolutely unique. It will never be exactly the same every night yeah. you change it and I know from being on stage in theater you do change it it 's different it 's different every time, even though they 're the same lines and the same moves. you do go off piece and you change your relationships and you know same with a gig, anything can happen. It can be a life changing gig you 're stood in that crowd with those people and having your mind blown, you know, and somebody that goes the next night, they don't see the same gig. And so that's the wonderful thing
0: about it. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly, particularly at a time where it wasn't uh, documented. Yeah. You couldn't just go and watch it on, on BBC. I I remember the last time I played Glastonbury, we'd tweeted about it and all this, it was in our last year of touring and I had loads of people going, oh, where can I watch this? And and we're like, (laughs) In in a field in, in, in Somerset. That's where you can watch it. There's, it's not. There's this, there's a thing now where it seems that everything is available f- from your living room as well. That's what makes live gigs so important. Is that I like the fact that the ones that aren't. I like them when they're not recorded and you can't just watch them on the the, the red button on iPlayer or or whatever else. It's like no, you have to be in that room. It's private.
1: You have to be there. Be there, and it's yeah. it's for you. It's a one off only thing you know and that's it and yes it's it's amazing it's amazing i mean even like you know and they tried to do it in lockdown you know nick cave did that a brilliant gig at alexandra palace Mm. and that was you know i paid to see that and i watched it but i knew it'd come out eventually and everybody would be able to see it you know it's but yeah yeah, i I do i do i miss i miss the live experience in in, in all aspects you know just before we we had lockdown, i I did macbeth and, and and you know and and, and and then it happened, and then everything stopped, and and I just I just miss it. I'm, I think everybody does. We all do, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I'm going to start to wrap things up as you've given me loads of your time. But one of the things I've been enjoying in lockdown, and one thing that's got loads of critical acclaim, is one of the Marvel series, Wonder Vision. Oh yeah. One of the reasons, one of the things that people have been raving about it is that it there's been a a, a strange thing happened and it then presents itself as like a 70s TV show and it's shot like that and they're acting like that and it's seen as this thing of genius and I'm sitting there going, it's Life on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Life on Mars did. That's what you guys did. It, like, it was shot like a 70s TV show. It was it was intentionally kind of, it, it took up upon all of that. So how was that to do back then and how was it to see it kind of become this this huge success? Because I think all shows like that, you never know it's it's so hit and miss particularly when you're m- making something that probably feels quite different because even like performance-wise everyone played it more like a 70s cop show kind of thing so you could i could completely see how you could be sitting there going if people get this it will be popular but there's no guarantee they're going to get this <laughs> like no. this could go down very badly and look so <laughs> cheesy or whatever else or kitsch but it didn't so how was that to to work on and then to have blow up as it did
1: well, it, uh, it was a, a, a joy to work on. And you're absolutely right. When I read it, first of all, I thought, what? I mean, it got to the bit where he woke up in 1973 and I thought there was a page missing. I was like, I kept going, <laughs> what? You know, this is ridiculous. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is never going to work. And I said, no. And then my agent went, no, read it again. I was like, oh, it's ridiculous. He's like, no, read it again. And then go in and speak to them, you know. So I read it again yeah. and then went and spoke to them. And they... And it was literally. This is either going to be amazing, or it's going to fall flat on its ass. Yeah, <laughs> <And>, uh, completely. <laughs> and it was just one of those things, you know. And we had alchemy, and it was. Um, it was. Luckily, it was. It was the former, and 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 it, it worked. Um, and and yeah. a lot of that down to me and Phil were really good mates, and and so that was great. That worked. That yeah. relationship worked really well. And um, it was such an outrageous idea, and and. Yeah, they, they they pulled it off. It was it was it worked in the end. Yeah, and it was great. It yeah. was successful and everything. And you know, you know, thank God I did it. I'm so glad.
0: Yeah, it's a classic one. So, well, I'll wrap things up by kind of asking, what's ahead? If 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 you know, or what do you hope is ahead? I think it's really interesting. I've said it a few times on the podcast. I think the acting industry, in particular is one that doesn't like to acknowledge that people need breaks and people need holidays and people need family time. It's very much, oh, you've had a kid? Well, have a couple of days off and then we'll <laughs> see you on, on, on sunset <laughs> on next week or whatever. It's, it's kind of, it lives in its own world. So this has been a real forced break for a lot of people. Obviously, there's been ways of making things work, but I think it will also allow a lot of people to reflect upon what they want to do rather than, again, I think it's an industry that, it's so often you're like, "Oh, I'm just happy to get work. I need to be gr- grateful. I'm I'm pleased that something's come up." Rather than, "Right, no, I'll will sit on the bench for however long because I want here's what I here's what I actually miss. Here's what I want to do." So, have you had anything like that that's given you ideas or or desires of wh- how you want to come out at the other end of this?
1: Well. I mean, definitely want to do theater i I, I miss it so yeah. much as I love you know ever since I, I got back on stage i 've done it as much as I can, and you know otherwise you just get so nervous you 'll never be able to go on again um, and yeah. so I, I I want to do more of that and but also i mean we 're in brighton now we we live in brighton and 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 if 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 they if they go with grace and they they pick it up and they want to do more, then that'll be amazing because i 'll be able to work from home for the first time ever yeah you know that'd be incredible. Amazing so uh, to, yeah. to be able to do more of that would be wonderful but as you say it's just made me really really grateful for any kind of work that I get you know to to be 50 and still making a living out of it is beyond you know it's it's just I, yeah. it's, I'm so thankful for it and to be getting great parts I'm you know I'm, I'm just so thankful for it and and so it just made me really grateful you know to to, to get any work really and and but also you know to 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 be at home and and spend time with the family and so so my ambition really is you know to to do more theatre eventually when it comes back but you know to to hopefully do more more of this series you know and play, and play this guy and and yeah. be at home which would be amazing to yeah. go home at the at the end of the day and not to a hotel room um would would be great so yeah that I've just got everything crossed that they they want to do more of this, but you never know in this that they go for in this in this business you never know. So anything
0: completely, but it's it's also a rare treat to be playing a character that you know you've got you've seen ten books worth of stories for. I mean the, the, that you can see that that much depth into the future. It's it's so, so often, particularly in TV, you're like, who knows? Again, it could be this could be this character could have great series in him, and then next series they're killed off or whatever else but to have know there's so many stories to be told is yeah it's an exciting situation
1: yeah it really is but you know in uh, i've learned through bitter experience you can never count your chickens in this game i I just thought you know yeah you never know what's going to happen so if it goes great if it doesn't something else hopefully will come up but i you know i just want everybody to get back to being able to go out and express themselves and do their jobs and you know go back to normal that's yeah. what everybody wants isn't it yeah. just want to you know yeah. let's just get back to normal i just want to have a pint in a pub <laughs> that's, that's yeah. my biggest ambition yeah. at the minute
0: it's the smallest things right well thank you very much for your time it's been a pleasure man oh
1: a real pleasure thanks man thank you so much thanks for having
0: me on no problem at all i'm gonna press stop now
1: You've been listening to Scroobius
0: Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was John Sim, And I want to just mention something at the end here. You may be wondering why I didn't bring up the subject of Human Traffic too. Now, the reason for that was one of the things I get asked the most <laughs> is when is the next season of Taboo. And I don't have any information on that. But if I did it wouldn't have been given to me to just share casually. So if John is or isn't being involved in in Human Traffic 2, in fact, even if Human Traffic 2 is definitely happening, I'd kind of, from conversations I'd had beforehand with PR people and stuff like that, it's not something that's planned to be declared happening or not happening on a random episode of the Distraction Pieces podcast. So yeah, we swerved that, but I was delighted to talk about the original human traffic because man that was a big part of my youth um thank you all for tuning in and i will be back next week with more lovely chat with lovely people i've been recording some great ones man and i've got a plan i've got a plan for may that if i can pull it off will be pretty huge but it's going to take a fair chunk of work so it depends if i can find the time um to get it all done but yeah don't hold me to that, but there might be something mad going on in May. Um, all right. Thanks for tuning in and chatting, and I will see you all next week. Ta ta. Hi.